Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Been in a series called Questions That God Asks, okay? Um, many times in Scripture, um, uh, God will ask an individual a question. And I've actually had fun kind of digging into these, these different questions that God asks us. And um, now we serve a God who is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. And he's eternal. Okay? Omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. Omniscient means he possesses all knowledge. Omnipotent means he has unlimited power. He spoke the universe into being. And he's eternal. He's without beginning or end. So why would a God who is all these things ask a human who is none of these things a question? Well, I will just say this. It's not for his benefit. It's for ours. Okay? And we've, we've said this every week, but when God asks a question, he's doing one of three things. God is either wanting to share information about a, a situation He's wanting to give revelation about himself or about you. And ultimately, God is wanting to bring transformation to you and to the world around you. Amen. But through this study, um, I've actually found that there's a fourth motive that God has when he asks a question. Okay, So I found that my list of reasons why God asks a question is uh, an incomplete list. And so I'm going to add one more thing to that list today. And here it is. Okay. There's a fourth motive that I, that I found that God has when he asks a question, and it is this. There are times that God asks a question, and there's no other reason that he would ask that question than I believe he wants to cultivate friendship and intimacy with an individual. Okay? So he wants to, at times he wants to share information. At times he wants to give revelation about a situation, about yourself, about him. He always wants to bring transformation. But I believe there are certain questions that we, we see that God asks in the Bible that he simply wants to bring people into intimacy and to into friendship, okay? And so, why is that? Why is that? Well, here's the simple fact. God is relational. This is the God we serve. He's a relational God. He wants an intimate, personal relationship with each of us, okay? This is who he is. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's ever-present, he's eternal, but more than anything, he desires a personal and intimate relationship with you, all right? So one of the, the questions that God asks, we're going we're gonna to turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6, one example of those questions where I believe that God was doing more than just trying to get something done, I think God was actually additionally trying to lead someone in intimacy and into friendship because he includes us in his plan's purpose on this world. Um, so that's going to be in Isaiah chapter 6. And I could give you a couple other examples where I've seen this. I, I'll, I could shout one out right now, which is Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Right? Jesus was trying to restore Peter. He's trying to draw him back into intimacy. Um, God, God actually asked Abraham in the Bible, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Right? Why would, he, why would he ask a question like that? Shall I hide from my servant Abraham what I'm about to do? He wants to include us and, and bring us into his plan. He wants us to be part of that. And so Isaiah 6, I think, uh, highlights another one of these. And so we're going to read Isaiah. Um, this is the commissioning of the prophet Isaiah. Okay? God needed a messenger to represent him 
to Israel and to the other kingdoms at that time. And so this is Isaiah's commission. Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Verse 5, Isaiah says this, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Is this working? Should I use the handheld? Because I can. I'll just cut out for a second. He said, here I am. Send me. The title of our message today is called, Who Shall I Send? Who Shall I Send? Look at your neighbor and say, send me. Send me. Send me. Okay. I find it interesting that God's call on Isaiah, it didn't involve an explicit command. It's like God's standing around and, you know, let's, presumably he's talking to the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he's like, and Isaiah is able to look and see the situation, and he's like, you know, we need a messenger. And um, who, who can I send? Who, who can we send? You know, and Isaiah's nearby, and they're kind of, God's kind of like, you know, looking over at Isaiah. And Isaiah, you know, thinks it's his idea. Well, I could do it. Here I am. Send me, right? I think it's interesting that God, that God's called Isaiah was not an explicit command, but it was actually the simple power of suggestion. Okay? Here I am. Send me. It'd be kind of like if you have a uh, a best friend, and you're, you're, you're talking to him, and you're like, man, uh, I'm going to need some help moving this weekend, but I just don't know who to ask, you know? Anyway, now if this is a good friend of yours, and they're not busy, they'll be like, hey man, you buy the pizza, and I'm there, you know, I'm going to help you, <laughs> right? And then you'd be like, that's a great idea. Yeah, you should help me. That's a great idea. I don't know why God asked a question like this, but I think, I think it is to involve us and to, um, there's something powerful about being a volunteer, a willing volunteer, instead of, a, instead of an explicit command, okay? In this case, God didn't institute the draft. Rather, he appealed to the nature of a volunteer, okay? I think there's something powerful about being a volunteer or being a willing servant instead of being a hireling, right? I think God wants to draw us into that kind of intimacy where we, we see a problem in the world and instead of like, 
watching it and I'm waiting for a command. Instead of watching it, we're like, God, I want to go fix that problem. Will you help me fix that problem? Will you anoint me to fix that problem? I think there's something powerful. Or you, you see a situation like circuit breakers popping or whatever. Um, not that that's distracting us this morning. Um, where you see a problem in the world, you see a situation and God's like, it lays it on your heart to go do something and you think it's your idea. It's actually his, okay? Today, I want to talk about how to be volunteer ready to answer the call of our friend, okay? I want to talk about the attributes of a willing heart. I want to have a willing heart, okay? So I want to highlight the attributes of a willing heart this morning. All right, so um, attributes of a willing heart. Point number one is a called heart. Now, I know this point sounds maybe pretty elementary, but it's important, a called heart. In order to answer a call, we need to know that we've been called, right? In order to answer a call, we need to know that we have been called. And here's the fact. God has a call for every believer. God has a call for every single believer. You need to, you need to hear that this morning. If you, if you are a believer, even if you're not a believer, he wants to make you a believer, and then he wants to reveal his calling and destiny to you. Okay? But listen, some people, and many Christians, and this is a tragedy— never step into their calling because they never connect the calling of God to their own heart. Okay, and that's a tragedy. If you go your whole life and you never stepped into what God had for you, that is a total tragedy and a total win by the enemy of your soul. Okay, and this happens. Why? Because sometimes the noise and the distractions of life distract us and the pressures and the pleasures of life distract us from ever knowing what God has called us to step into. Okay, and that's a tragedy. And listen, you might not be, you know, I don't want to, you know, put all this external pressure on people. You might not be called to go to Africa. You might not be called to go to China. You might not be called to stand on this stage. But I can assure you that God has a specific call, a specific plan and purpose for you, just like he did Isaiah, okay? Now, in this message, I might not be able to give you God's specific plan for you, but I can assure you that he has a specific call for you, okay? And here's the good news. Here's the good news about God's specific call for you. He doesn't want to keep it a secret. He doesn't want to keep it a secret. He wants to reveal to you what this specific plan and purpose is, okay? Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Okay, let me read that again. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. If you incline your heart to follow God with, with your whole heart, you will find God. You will find what he, what he says about you. You will find what he wants you to do. You will be able to step into it when you apply your whole heart to following him. He doesn't want to keep it a secret, okay? Um, if you want to find him, look to him with your whole heart. The, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths, you Bible readers. <laughs> okay, Matthew chapter 6, 33, it says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Okay? So if you make God your highest priority, seek the kingdom of God, he will direct, he will direct your past, he will give you everything you need, he will add all the other things that, you're, that you think you need in your life to you, okay? So that's a called heart. We want to have, um, place God as our highest priority, we'll have a called heart, because I assure you, he has a specific plan, purpose, and destiny for you, okay? That's point number one. Uh, point number two of a, of a willing heart is a pure heart, okay? 
Um, we're going to read Isaiah uh, 6, 1 through 7 again, and I want to I show you the process that God took Isaiah through to qualify him for this call that he had. Okay, is a pure heart. He says this, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe f- filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah has this throne room encounter with God, which I don't know about you, but I would probably be on my face if I saw this throne room encounter with God. I'm sure you would too. He sees the, the, the majesty and the beauty of God in, in his holiness and all of his splendor, and he can't help but to see like there's a discrepancy here. Here's this perfect, holy God, totally righteous, and then he sees the inadequacies of his own heart. He can't help but to see that difference. And how far he is from perfection. He says, verse 5, Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. My eye, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah was left with the total understanding that he was a fallen human and, is, and is, he has a sinful human nature. And I don't know what it was like with you, but many, many times when people place their faith and trust in Jesus, there's, there's a situation where they they come to realize, like, there's a holy God. There's a holy God. And then they're they're totally struck with their inadequacy. They're they're struck with the fact that there's this alienation, this separation between them and God. So many times, right before people come to faith, there's a crisis. And God leads them to a crisis, right? It is grace that taught my heart to fear. Grace my fears relieved, right? That crisis point... Right before someone placed their faith and trust in uh, placed their faith and trust in Jesus is actually a very important crisis. You see that uh, there's nothing in me that can be holy. There's nothing in me that can produce righteousness. That is, and this is a work of grace in itself to see your inadequacies. But luckily, grace right behind that will come and say, "What is the answer? What is the answer?" And that, the answer, of course, is Jesus. That Jesus was the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. And then when we place our faith and trust in him, boom, immediately that grace comes and floods our life. Okay? And um, many times, um, you know, we do, we do salvation call here in service. Uh, we, we, we Almost every week we do a salvation call. And a lot of times we like to do this right at the end of worship because, you know, God inhabits the praises of his people. So we're, we're, we're pulling on... Um, the fact that the presence of God is in this place, and people are like, man, he's a holy God, he's good, and they're struck with that discrepancy in their heart. And then, boom, there's grace. Here's, okay, here's the problem that we are feeling. Now, here's grace. Here's the solution. Here's the answer. Okay, grace came in right after Isaiah was struck with this problem. Verses 6 through 7. One of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. See, Isaiah, he couldn't have a willing heart at that point because he was way down with guilt, shame, and the sense of separation between him and God. And I will just say this. If you are here and you're way down with the sense of guilt, shame, and separation between you and God, you're probably not going to be inclined to think you're qualified to step into the calling that God has for you right? God wants to deal with that. He wants to get that junk off of you so that you can step into everything he has for you. 
okay? So maybe you're like, I have a call. God wants to use me. I don't, I'm not sure what it is, or maybe I do know what it is. But if you still feel that, the weight of that guilt and shame or the, or the weight of your past, you're not going to be able to step in and to run with him this, this race that he's called us to, to have, okay? And so this is what happens. Grace leads us to see our inadequacy, which leads us to repentance, which leads us to his grace again, which, and then in turn leads us to a, to a changed and empowered life. Okay, we say this all the time, but grace is not just God's ability to, you know, overlook your sin so that you can continue to be a slime ball, right? It is that, like, it is, thank God for grace. Thank God that he, um, he doesn't, his blood does wash away our sins and he's not looking at our sins and he does forget and he does um, forgive and, and moves on. But thank God grace is more than that. Grace is God's divine empowerment for you to live a different way. Okay? And so, um, I'm going to say a dirty word here in church. Well, it's a dirty word in a lot of churches, but it's not a dirty word. It's actually a beautiful word. The word is repent. Okay? (laughs) To a lot of churches, that's a dirty word. Don't say repent. Don't make people feel uncomfortable. Like, listen, repentance is beautiful. It is that, that you have an opportunity to come before God and say, man, I'm, I've been wrong. I've messed up. Can you, can you help me? Right? Why? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you come before him and humility saying, man, I've, I've messed up. I've, been, I've done these things. Will you help me? He, will, he gives grace to the humble. Okay? And so, man, if, if, you're, if you're in a season or God's, you're in an area where God wants you to repent, that's a beautiful thing. That's a glorious thing to repent. We have a God who gives us second chances. Like, that's amazing, you guys. And so if, if there's an area of your life that God wants you to repent, and repent and, and embrace it. It's amazing. And the grace and the power to change will flow through that, okay? And I will say this. Um, I like to say this every once in a while. It's probably a good time of year to say this. Um, he gets that shame off of you. And, and listen, if, 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 if there's something in your past it's under the blood of Jesus. It's not affecting you. Like, we don't need to bring it up. Like, you know, if, if, there's, if there's a reason to bring it up, like you have a testimony that will bless other people, like, that's cool. You can, you can bring it up. Um, but if it's under the blood of Jesus, like, man, move on. Move on and don't let it hang on you. But I will say this. If there's something in your past that you're currently struggling with, you can't get freedom over, or anything like that, we do have some help for you. Sometimes it's good for someone to come alongside of you and bring you some help. And I want to highlight two ministries that we highlight here every once in a while. One of them is an in-house ministry, which is um, Soaking Prayer. And you can go to our website, and you can register for Soaking Prayer. And we have people who run that ministry who are part of our church. We trust them. And it's, they're confidential. Um, I, I honestly, even if you're not struggling with something, I would encourage everyone at some point if you're part of our church, to go be part of Soaking Prayer and let these, there's a team of people that will surround you, a few people, and they pray over you. And if you're stuck somewhere, man, this is a good way to get breakthrough. Another, another ministry, and you can also find this on our website if you go to the, the um, citylights.church under the, the, I believe it's the prayer tab, is uh, Sozo Ministry, and that's run by Pastor Bill Klein. Hannah helps with it as well. I've personally had one of these, and um, even where I didn't think I was stuck in something, and I found out there were some areas of my life that God wanted to clean up a little bit more, okay? And so if, if, you're, if you have blockages in your life but, um, that are causing you not to be able to move forward, 
there are answers to this. You don't have to live with that, and you don't have to deal with that forever. And it's a good time of year to just, man, it's the holidays. That can be kind of weighty for some people. It, it can bring good emotions. It can bring bad emotions for some people. But I just want to encourage you, if you're part of our church and you, you call yourself a, a disciple of, you know, Pastor Kurt and Emily and, and uh, under the leadership of this church, I want to encourage you, everyone, at some point, get a sozo and, and go through soaking prayer. And we hear testimonies time after time after time of people who get breakthrough by going through those ministries. And yeah, it's a little bit like vulnerable. You come in, people who maybe don't know you pray for you. But listen, these people love you. They love the Lord. We trust them. Listen, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Okay, so there's answers there. So I just want to highlight that to you. Okay, so point number two was a pure heart. God wants to give us a pure heart. You can have a pure heart. You are qualified to have a pure heart. I don't care how messed up of a life you've had. You can have a pure heart. Okay, you need to think of yourself that way. That's point number two. Point number three, attributes of a willing heart is a flexible heart. Okay, is your heart flexible? Is your heart malleable? Or do you have a stone heart? A life that is flexible is a life that is usable. Okay? Isaiah went from woe to me to send me. Right? He's like, woe to me. I think I'm going to die. I saw the glory of the Lord. You can't see the, you know, the glory of the Lord and live. What am I going to do? He went from woe to me to send me, God. Like, God totally cleaned him up and he sent him. Okay? What, what was he? He was flexible. He was willing to be inconvenienced. And I don't know if you caught this, but I, Isaiah, he actually accepted. Can you hear me? Okay. Isaiah accepted the call before he knew what the call was. He was like, who, who will go for us? Who will go for me? Who will we send? Isaiah's like, uh, here I am, send me. By the way, where are we going? <laughs> right? Okay. Where are we going? He was willing to be inconvenienced and to do something out of the ordinary for him. When's the last time you did something out of the ordinary for God? Something out of your character, something that you're not comfortable with. Let me give you an example. If you've never been on a missions trip, like taking your vacation time and your money and paid to go to minister to people who can never repay you, if you've never done that, I just sold missions really well, didn't I? That's so glorious. You're using your vacation, your money, to minister to people who can't repay you. You need it, though. You still need it. You're still going to get something out of it. If you've never been on a missions trip, like, go. You need, to, you need to go on one sometime in your life. And I know not everyone's called to be full-time missionary or even to go on multiple missions trips. I do think everyone should go on a missions trip at some point in your life. See what it's like in a third-world country right? See what it's like to love people outside of your, your circle. It's amazing. Um, have you ever prayed for someone in public? Someone who you saw you had a need? Talked to someone, they had a need? Have you ever prayed for a stranger? Like, that's outside of like what's comfortable for a lot of us. Um, but be willing to be inconvenienced. Have you ever done something that God didn't want you to do? Or, I'm sorry, done something that you didn't want to do just because God laid it on your heart? Sometimes I'll lay something in my heart, I really don't, I really don't want to do that, you know, <laughs> but I'm going to do it, you know. Um, I'll give you an example of this in my own life. Um, when I was, and I want to give an example of a story where it didn't go amazing, because we always give testimonies of like, I had this thing and I took this risk, but it was perfect afterwards, you know. I want to give you an example of not perfect, because for Isaiah, this was not perfect. 
um, when I was about 20 years old, I was still kind of a mess, but I was coming alive in the Lord. The Lord was drawing me. He was speaking to me. It was a really cool season in my life. Um, and I got off of work. I'm driving home, and I'm actually in my car worshiping. And I'm, it's actually in the country, so there's like no one around just driving. And I, and I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, you're going to crest over this hill, and there's going to be a guy standing at the end of his field, and I want you to tell him that I love him. And I was like, well, I'm going to get out of this one pretty good because there's no one out here. You know, there's no one out here. This is a country. So sure enough, I crest over this hill, and there's a guy standing out at the end of his field. And I'm like, oh, man, I have to go talk to this guy. And so um, I actually um, passed him, you know, because I didn't have a lot of time. And then I'm like, okay, and he struggled with God, and he give me another sign, Lord, you know. That was the sign. You have such great faith, you know. Um, so I turned the car around. I drive into the guy's neighborhood. And by that time, he'd, he'd come back to his house. And I was like, you know, get out of the car. It's super awkward because it's in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, hi. Uh, you know, I was just driving by. And this is going to sound weird. But I was just driving by. And I felt like God told me to tell you that he loves you. And now I would be excited to hear that personally. This guy looked at me and he said, get the hell off my property. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, have a, God bless you. Got back in my car. I felt dumb. I felt dumb. I'm driving away. I'm like, God, I was complete rejection. Like, why would you tell me? to do something that was complete rejection. And I just felt like the Lord said, this is part of my faithfulness to that man. Part of my faithfulness is to send him someone who says this. And I might have been number three. They actually say that before someone makes a decision for Jesus, there's usually about eight encounters with people before they make a decision. And God said, this is part of my faithfulness to him. And even if that man never put his faith in Jesus, or maybe he did and he was just mad at God because, you know, things happen in life. Um, that's part of God's faithfulness. If he never places faith and trust in Jesus, um, God did send him someone. God's, he, he didn't, he didn't, he, God sent him someone at least to say, hey, God loves you, you know? And so you might be interested to know that, that God's call of Isaiah was to warn, to rebuke, and chastise the people of God who were in rebellion, okay? They didn't listen to Isaiah, and God even told him ahead of time, they're not going to listen to you. How excited would you be about this call? What if you woke up in the next tomorrow and God's like, I'm calling you to India. By the way, no one's going to listen to you. You're going to sell everything. You're going to go there. You're going to raise support. No one's going to listen to you. How many would be excited about that call, right? I wouldn't be excited about that call. Isaiah, they didn't listen to him. They didn't listen to him. God said they wouldn't listen to him. But that was part of God's faithfulness, part of his testimony to those people was to provide a prophet for them to speak to them, okay? So people might reject you. They might mock you. They might make fun of you. But it's really important that we're obedient to what God's saying. And it's important that we're part of the testimony of other people. You're, maybe you're number four of the number eight. Maybe you're number five. You don't really know which one you are in someone's life. But just be faithful to what God's saying to you. If, if God's saying, hey, go pray for someone, tell that person that I love them, like, go and do it. Amen? So, um, 
I'll close with this. I don't know if you realize this, but um, starting a church is really hard work. Okay? Um, Starting a church and doing what we're doing, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. And I've done some hard things. But I will say this. What we're doing is one of the most rewarding things that, that we've ever done. I would, well, I would, it's, it's high up there. I'd say the most rewarding thing I've ever done is be a husband to that lady right there. And the second most rewarding thing I've ever done is being a father to, to my kids. And I would say probably pastoring has been the third most rewarding thing. Very difficult, you know, just like marriage and being a father can be difficult. Being a pastor is very difficult. Um, but it's one of the most rewarding things we've ever done. My wife and I, um, God has placed... A, a love in our heart for this city, for Greeley. A love in our heart for this church, a love in our heart for this city. I would even go beyond that. I would say that there, there's a supernatural love that we have in our heart for this city, for Greeley. And, but here's the deal. When we, we knew this, when we said yes to Greeley, we were saying no to everywhere else, right? It's like marriage. When you, when you say yes to one, you're saying no to everyone else. At least you should be, right? <laughs> right? When I said yes to this woman, I was saying no to every other woman. So sometimes your no is as powerful as your yes. Okay? We said yes to really. We were basically saying no to every other city. Okay? At least for this season, 10, 20, 30 years, whatever God has us doing this for. Okay? And I've said this uh, before. I'll share it real quick. And, um, but I when we were kind of in a transitional season in our life about three years ago now, we knew that the season where we were pastoring, that season was wrapping up, but we didn't really fully know what God had next for us. It was like, you know, God, do you want us to um, go get a regular nine-to-five job? We could move here. We could do this. We could do that. I could go back to school. You know, we also had this crazy idea rolling around in the back of our minds to start a church. And so uh, I've said this many times here, but it bears repeating is that one day I was out on a run, and um, all of a sudden, the faces of individuals, individual faces begin to pop up in my mind's eye. A man, a woman, an old man, a young woman, all different ages, uh, genders, ethnicity. God was showing me these, these people, and I, I prayed, and I said, God, who are these people? What are you showing me? What is this? I felt the Lord speak to my heart, and he said, these are the faces <clears throat> of the individuals that will come to faith through your ministry. And it was actually right then and there, I knew that this idea that we had had rolling around in the back of our minds was not just a good idea, it was actually a God idea. God was calling us to pioneer a church. And through prayer, God confirmed, and through different situations, God confirmed that um, Greeley was the place we were supposed to do this. And, but we knew when we said yes to Greeley, we were saying no to a lot of other things. Um, go ahead and, uh, J.D., have that picture. Okay, this is a great picture, isn't it? Um, the, how many have ever been to Telluride? Telluride. It's, if you've never been to Telluride, very beautiful place. You need to go sometime. <clears throat> so this last summer, uh, my wife and I are in Telluride. We ride the gondola up to this place, and just one of the most beautiful places in Colorado. And my wife and I love hiking. We love the mountains. You know, when we were in that transitional season, part of us was like, man, we could, we could move here, we could do this, we could do that. God, what do you want for us, you know? And, um, but he, he showed us exactly what he wants us to do and where he wants us to be. And recently, I, um, I had a dream, and I felt like the Lord showed me, had we not answered the call in our life, 
I felt like the Lord showed me what, um, I think it's uh, 1 Corinthians, maybe chapter 6, talks about that we all, um, our lives, we're all building upon the foundation of, of, of Jesus, right? We're all building on that foundation. And some people are building with um, materials that can be burned up, and some people are building with materials that will, will last, will, will last the, the test of time and the test of fire, right? The Bible says that all of our work, all of our works, our deeds will be tested by fire. And if your work remains, you receive a reward. If the work that you've done in this life does not remain, it's burned up, you, you suffer that loss. You yourself will be saved. You still go to heaven. But the work that you put your hands to in this life will be lost. Recently, the Lord in a dream showed me, if we had decided, hey, let's go, you know, I don't know. I probably couldn't afford to live in Telluride anyway. But, you know, say we'd gone and done anything else, you know, lived anywhere else. The Lord showed me that my work, my life's work, would have been burned up. That I would get in heaven. I would be saved, of course. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm heaven bound. But the reward that he wanted for me and for my life would be completely gone. Okay. I say that to say, we know we're called to the city. But my question for you is, what and where are you supposed to put your hands to? Okay. What is the thing you're, what are the many things you're supposed to say no to? Right? We love, now listen, we love going to the mountains. We love hiking. We love getting refreshed up there. But we know that's just to get refreshed. That's just to go up and hang out. That's not to like go up and, and live. You know, we, we ran, a, when we were up in Telluride, we ran this girl on the way down on the gondola. I think she was, her name was Hannah. She, I think she was 11 years old. And we're like, you know, where are you from? Where do you live? She's like, oh, I live here in Telluride. And I'm just, you know, I helped a new student get home from school. And now I'm going back home. She's riding the gondola at home from school. You know, it's like, you live in this place. And then we're like, so do you ski? She's like, yeah, during the school year, we, I ski three times a week. You know, we have an hour and a half class and we leave and we go ski. I'm like, this girl, I'm jealous of you. Like, <laughs> you live in this place, you ski three times a week, you know? And um, listen, don't live your life just to have the most fun or to be in the, the, the most ideal place that you want to live. Live your life because God's called you somewhere. In the book of Hebrews, talking about Abraham, it says that Abraham left his home country, but he was looking to another city whose builder and maker was God. Okay, we are laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven by answering the call that God has for each of us. Okay. God has a call, a plan, a purpose, and destined for you. When you answer that call, you are laying up treasures for yourself in heaven, okay? And so my question is, where and what are you supposed to put your hands to? Now, to millennials, this question is like overwhelming because, <clears throat> because of <clears throat> what's called FOMO, fear of missing out. And it is true. You have to if you want to be really good at something, you have to pick one thing and be really good at it. But then you're also saying no to a whole lot of other things. My encouragement to you this morning <clears throat> is to find that thing. Let me take a drink here. <clears throat> find that thing that God's calling you to. And if you don't, listen, if you don't know where to start, start with intimacy with him. Start with prayer. Start with hanging out with him. He wants to reveal his will to you. This can seem like an overwhelming thing. And I will say this as well. My, you know, I'm, I think, walking in what the Lord's called us to do. And some people are like, oh, that's a great calling, you know. But listen, this was a, really a 20-year process for me. You know, I was a teenager when I felt God calling me into ministry. It was about 10 years before I got into ministry. 
And it was about another 10 years before we got here. So you also need to learn the art of contentment in the process. We're all in a process. I'm in a process for whatever God's leading us to the next year, you know, and years after this. We're all in a process. So there is, there is the art of divine contentment in the process, but, but embrace what he's, what he's doing in you and take those steps forward, okay? And so this is what I'm going to ask. This is my question. Are you spending your life or are you investing your life? A lot of, we could have spent our life in Tilluride or Aspen or wherever beautiful place. We love the mountains, right? We could have spent our life anywhere. We want to invest our lives. We want to invest our lives here, and we're, and we're doing that. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Whatever you put your hands to, whatever you're going for, make sure it's the calling of God in your life. Amen? All right. Start by cultivating intimacy with Jesus. Okay? Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.